BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey everybody, it's me, Jennifer Walters, your shy and very kind lawyer human woman. And I'm a bruiser. I, no, I'm a wizard, I think, actually, today. And it's me, your cousin, Dr. Bruce Branner. Here, get this blood in you. I gotta, it's, it's there's no time. Get <laughs> oh, in this blood. Here you go. Take God. my weird blood. My God, I now like being a lawyer. In it. Uh, yeah, she's not stupid at all. <laughs> I'm really, I'm very, I'm still smart. And now I'm just big and confident. Isn't that fun? <laughs> now I'm a bruiser. Holder McNeely. <laughs> uh, and I'm Jake. And in the immortal words of Chris Griffin, I love you, She-Hulk. <laughs> That's right. Today we're talking about She-Hulk. We've got the television show. I always forget about when this comes out. And come, has it, has, is the show technically out at the time of this release, or is it just around the corner? It's like just around the corner. It's right? just around the corner. It'll either... I th- oh, you know what it is? It'll come out uh, the week it premieres, but with a couple of days difference. That way, if it's actually bad, we didn't know any better. There you go. And if it's good, people will still be looking for it and get the history. I, hey, Holden, would you call that a little fourth wall break? Would you call that? <laughs> hey. I might break in the kayfabe a little. Getting meta. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. She-Hulk did it way before Deadpool. The fourth wall breaker OG. Um, and I will have to say, I'd be pretty surprised if this show is just bad. Mm. After what I've learned about the people behind it, after what I've learned about the history of She-Hulk and what they're going to bring to it, at least for my sake, I'm the person over on the corner. We we talked about this in our in our bonus uh, mm-hmm. episode talking about the recent MCU news. Um, I'm kind of the one off in the corner being like, especially for the TV shows on Disney Plus, I really need it to be something different. Mm-hmm. If it's just like this very in the same line, you know. In other words, I want more WandaVisions. Mm-hmm. I want more. You know, even Moon Knight is kind of jumping off a little bit from from the norm. I, I want I want it to be weird and different and strange. You know, the thing I'm most hype about in superhero news right now is that Joker Lady Gaga <laughs> musical because it's just fucking crazy. Different. And you know it's what? It's just not the same thing. And it's still not going to be as weird as I want it to be, probably, mm-hmm. right? Like, that thing is still going to come out and be like, man, I just wish they, like... So, this She-Hulk show is going to be a lot of fourth wall breaking. It's mm-hmm. going to be straight up a comedy. It's half an hour. Oh, that made me so happy to yeah. read that. And the people behind it, do you... Hey, 
Are you a fan of a little something called Pickle Rick? <laughs> you want to know the who wrote that episode? The same person who is show running She-Hulk. So there you go. But all jokes aside and everything, I, I'm I'm now way more hype about the show than I ever was. And I'm now actually way more hyped to read a bunch more She-Hulk comic books than I actually mm. was. I didn't realize how much fun there was to be had, not just with the John Byrne run, but also with the more recent uh, She-Hulk series that have been coming out, this mm-hmm. seems to totally embrace the playfulness and fun, and uh, you know, just like all over the top, like ridiculousness of this character that I didn't even realize I needed in my life when it comes to Marvel comic book characters. I, it really is a breath of fresh air in every single way to have this like lawyer-driven like comedy, silly, you know, and, and the most refreshing thing, and I was just talking about this right before we hit record, but I'll repeat it again, just the fact that for once, it's someone who like embraces their powers and thinks their powers make them cooler and better. Mm-hmm. And there's no element of like, I'm battling with, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. It's it's a curse as much as it is a gift. And it's like, no, we don't need that to be the conflict for every single superhero. And She-Hulk can totally be like, my powers are badass and I love myself. And that's not what we're going to create conflicts out of because there's all this other stuff to create conflicts out of. So there's this tendency throughout the comics runs of She-Hulk where um, from the from the beginning, uh, it was like in the origin, She-Hulk is kind of like a slightly more articulate, but still like emotionally driven, brutish character in like the Stanley origin. Uh, it was then kind of refined over the years with the work of uh, the first run writer, David Anthony Kraft. And Indeed. all of a sudden, like she actually got to do something different. She got to uh, stay. She got to control when she got big and small. She got to like live different lives in her She-Hulk persona. She got to like be romantic. She got to like uh, kind of uh, contrast this ideal self with her like pedestrian self and kind of come to terms with that. And uh, John Byrne, Brought in all these wacky stuff in the early eight in the Seems early like 90s. John Bird, John Bird just used this comic as an excuse to bitch about his job at yes. Marvel. Yes, he did. <laughs> it's but in a really funny, clever way. I, I very at least novel. It's very novel what he did. Yeah. It also gave him an excuse to draw just a fucking seven foot tall smoke show in as little clothing yes. as possible. There's a lot of male gaze happening underneath all of this for sure. Uh, up until the more recent runs of the character. But it seems like every major Marvel event has a moment where like she Hulk gets like uncontrollable and like she turns savage and she kill. I think she killed the vision in a blind rage on uh-huh. two separate occasions <laughs> for dramatic yeah. effects. And you know, it's up to each individual writer and each individual artist. Like, what does it mean to have this super strong female Hulk lady around? Some people embrace the cheesecake. Some people uh, embrace the brute strength of it. But the modern incarnation that we are currently dealing with, the one that is uh, currently on the shelves in Rainbow Rolls run, and the one that is going to be on DC, I'm not sorry, DC, wow. Uh, the one that's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Uh, is this like very much a hybrid of the John Burns, like fuck it outsider, like having fun with a B-lister 
fourth wall breaking. A lot of it is Dan Slott's run, the uh, single uh-huh. green female run, which I read a lot of this week, which I found like really compelling. It's a good place to start for sure. If you want to like just get a taste of what this character can be. Where like it is in fact a legal drama or dramedy in the realm of superhero law where like can a ghost testify at their own murder trial? Can I love, a time I love tra- it. Can you get arrested for future crimes? And like the actual uh, like She-Hulk is winning not through her fists, but through like her novel approach to the law, which is incredibly fun and an incredibly yep. interesting narrative look at the superhero universe. Um, and yeah, like you said, here is this person, this like seemingly average uh, bookish lady that can like turn herself into this actual Amazonian goddess at will mm-hmm. with very little consequences. Sometimes they throw in things like, oh, she needs to like feel a certain emotion or, oh, she needs to be charged by like a gamma ray device or whatever. But, you know, if you can choose between your better self at all times, what does that mean to your relationship with your true self? And I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, and especially in an era of social media, that's something we kind of have to struggle with now more like as actual people. Like, you know, it's it's uh, She-Hulk is Jennifer Walters with all the filters on. Right. And as as a person who's Holden McNeely, podcaster, streamer by day and mm-hmm. Holdonicon, the lust god of the night. By the way, those foot pics you posted recently, incredible. The lighting, right? it was Woo! excellent stage. Yeah, dude. I've been getting... F- major horniness points on the internet. It's been unbelievable, the reaction. And I get it because it's true. I mean, you see me in all my Insta pictures stuff. I'm this schlubby, ridiculous, kind of loserish man. But what you don't see is at night I get all ripped and sexually uh, just incredibly arousing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's tough to battle with, Jake. I, it's hard for me to negotiate the two. You know what I mean? The only thing I have in common with She-Hulk is the inconvenience of shattering a bed frame uh, after a night of lovemaking. <laughs> but that is mostly due to my just cheap ways and bad purchasing decisions than like yeah, absolutely. some kind of superpower. Yeah, yeah. You keep getting those Ikea beds, and uh, I just think you need to upgrade, my friend. Uh, but I regardless, just, They can't handle me when I Hulk out, man. <laughs> Hulk out just getting fat. <laughs> um, I'm eating oh, but, uh, I'm eating french fries and just being like, "Get away! Stand back! I can't control it." <laughs> he can't control it. Uh, you know, I think the reason why this character is so fun is actually because of uh, her cynical origins. So mm. let's jump into it. Uh, I think her cynical origins would allowed other writers to come in and be like, all right, then I can just do whatever, right? Because you guys just did this to uh, for money purposes. Uh, and we'll we'll explain that in just a second. But it, first, the it synopsis. Wasn't even mo- we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Well, it's like just to keep other people from making money. Uh, She-Hulk is a comic book character published by Marvel Comics, created by Stan Lee and artist John Bushima, who first appeared in the Savage She-Hulk number one back in 1980. She is also the main character of the upcoming Disney Plus series, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, played by actress Tatiana Maslany. And everybody's all horny for the big lady or whatever. All right. She carried the man into the room in the trailer and everybody was already coming off of that Resident Evil 8 game. (laughs) And so now there's just this all big woman thing going on. I don't even know how to speak towards that exactly, but just know what's going on. 
going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, people? Uh, so, She-Hulk would turn out to be the last character Stanley created in the Bronze Age of Comics before he moved out to Hollywood to get various TV and film projects up and running. Kind of his... He created a couple characters after this point when he returned to comics, but this is kind of the last one that like stuck that mm-hmm. anyone talks about. The character was created out of necessity for the bros over at Marvel as they saw the success of both the Bionic Woman TV series alongside the Incredible Hulk TV show and felt they needed to create a female Hulk character before the TV writers did so so that they would own full rights to the character. This is the the cynical thing I was talking about. Now, Bionic Woman was a bit of a spinoff of the $6 million man. Mm -hmm. Bionic Woman was based on a 1972 novel titled Cyborg as well as the already successful running show $6 million man and had a professional tennis player who gets injured in a skydiving accident. Stop if you've heard this one before. Getting her life saved by doctors who implanted her with bionic surgical implants that gave her special powers. And um, this was also, by the way, the last superhero John Buscema worked on for a good while in order to focus solely on titles for the character Conan the Barbarian. Um, But uh, they just got together and they just said... You know what? We we need to get ahead of this thing. We don't want to lose any money. The Incredible Hulk TV show people, they're they're episodes away from creating a female version of the Hulk. I mean, there was and always so tension. Let's, let's there was always tension out. between the original Marvel writers and the TV writers, obviously. David Banner, because Bruce was too gay of a name. Like obviously the the gauntlet was thrown between the two camps <laughs> from the get-go. And, you know, the Bionic Woman was a huge hit. And so, yeah, uh, Stan Lee, you know, in record time, turned around this origin story in Savage She-Hulk number one. It, if you read this now, it gets right to the point. Like, it is, like, page one, Bruce Banner just shows up and is like, I gotta go see my cousin. She's a lawyer. Uh, hey, cousin, how you doing? She's like, oh, hi, Bruce. I'll help you. But right now I have to take down this very powerful gangster who definitely will try and kill me. And then next page, she gets shot in the back. Yeah, she's the daughter of the Los Angeles County Sheriff, who is the one who cat caught beef with this crime lord. And so the crime lord goes after his daughter, she, Jennifer Walter, She-Hulk. Um, in order to, you know, get revenge. And so, yeah, Bruce is like, oh my God, you've been shot. I just remembered this fact that we have the same blood type, which mm-hmm. by the way, I've been asking people lately what their blood types are. Nobody knows what their blood types mm-hmm. are. It's so I don't believe good. that for a second. It's not good. I'm O positive. I don't, wait, you're O, wait, is O positive the good one or is O negative the good one? I'm like one, I think I'm one step away from the best one, uh, but I'm pretty, I'm in, I'm got a good rare blood type. I think I have right? the shit one, the one that's like poison. Oh yeah, poopy positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's <laughs> like, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, B.O., I think it's... <laughs> yeah, you got B.O. They, they call it the stink blood disease. <laughs> My God, we're, I'd say I'm going after you today, Jake, but I feel like you're doing it to yourself these days. Honestly, I mean, it's unbelievable. reading the adventures of this confident, self-assured, sexy woman has left me feeling like a wriggly little worm <laughs> and somebody needs to step on me. Yeah, yeah, he's covered in dirt right now, by the way, <laughs> listeners, which is a weird move. I've never seen this before. He kind of looks like Pigpen from Charlie Brown. Uh, or peanuts, rather. Regardless, uh, yeah, it's a weird rushed origin, and um, it also kind of full of plot holes. Like Bruce Banner knows that his blood has gamma radiation in it. Why would he 
you know, give her. They, there's like a page of him being like, uh, should I call the hospital? Should I call a doctor? I don't know. I might get in trouble. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just I'm just going to do this. She's running out of time. Uh, oh, her neighbor is a doctor and uh, he has an empty like surgical <laughs> theater that I can use right here, right now. How convenient. It's a very convenient origin story. And and it's not going to be the origin story in the TV show. That's already been confirmed. It's apparently going to be related to a car crash, which makes a little bit more sense where uh, uh, they both get injured and blood gets shared most likely, but uh, a little bit more reasonable. So that just goes to show how little the origin uh, actually uh, holds water uh, that the MCU wouldn't even like bring in any of it, you know, so. The series really picks up uh, by on the second Second issue, because that is yes. when writer, oh, he has three names. I hate that there's three. David names. Anthony Kraft. He is a writer who actually was originally a rock and roll journalist who transferred over to Marvel when he became editor for its fan magazine titled Foom in 1976. His first stint at writing for Marvel was on The Defenders, that oddball hero group consistently uh, consisting initially of Doctor Strange, Hulk, Namor, the Submariner, and uh, Silver Surfer. Uh, we talked all about it during the Doctor Strange episode, if you want to go back and listen to that. He was also known, too, for being an oddball in comics. He would often reference rock bands he liked, such as Blue Oyster Cult and the Beatles. But uh, Kraft didn't like the idea of She-Hulk and the thought that they would just make a female version of the Hulk, which tended to be what they would do with a lot of the characters. They'd be like, oh, she's like the cat version of the cat guy or whatever, right? But literally, so- Stan Lee in the Marvel bullpen, uh, which, you know, uh, Kraft lionized as this, like, you know, birthplace of the great creative awakening of the American comic book. Stan Lee used to just, like, shit on the Bat family, how there were, like, a bunch of Robins and a Batwoman and a Batgirl and all that. Like, uh-huh. he genuinely hated legacy and spinoff characters like that. And so the fact that he was, they had to do this kind of very cynical move of a spinoff character was kind of like a a, a a weird dirtying thing for Kraft. And it's right before he leaves to go to Hollywood and do all his Hollywood bullshit. So mm-hmm. it only, you know, it kind of makes sense of where, where he was headed with things. Not to knock on uh, Stan the Man too much, but it is David Anthony Kraft who we have to thank for She-Hulk being this fun, outgoing uh, gal about the town. Uh, Kraft said, If you look at Stan's issue, she's an attorney and she turns into the Hulk and that's all there is. Everything else about it fell to me. Why I requested it, I went to Shooter and I said, I hit that Shooter, uh, I forget, he's the editor. Jim Shooter. Shooter and I said, no, it's Shooter McGavin. I'm pretty sure. No, that's a fictional character from an Adam Sandler movie. Um, I went to shoot her and I said, I hated the idea, but here's why I hate it even more. I always loved the Hulk, but all I could see was a lot of people are very derivative. And so what they would do is a female version of the Hulk. I thought that would be just horrible. I went in and said, I don't like the idea of this at all, but I have to do this book so it's not like the Hulk. And that was my sales pitch for that. Uh, I gave her a libido. I gave her a couple of boyfriends. They've done all the stuff with the Hulk since where he's intelligent and stuff. But I had her drinking martinis and driving around in a pink Cadillac. It was as far from the Hulk as you could possibly get. And the boyfriend's thing also was an interesting slip past the goalie. Uh, you know, the Comics Code was something they were definitely battling with at this time. Uh, the Comics Code Authority came in and got rid of all those really cool horror books and mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff in comics. And 
you know, he made it a point to try to get little things in, like She-Hulk, you know, as She-Hulk, she has a boyfriend, and as uh, Jessica Walters, she has a boyfriend. He was always trying to kind of push push things forward progressively in ways with this character, in, in sneaky ways, because the Comics Code Authority was much more worried about, the you know, her revealing attire mm-hmm. or things like that. And so he was definitely the kind of guy who, rock and roll background, wanted to push the envelope, wanted to have a lot of fun with his storytelling, and we're so lucky that we had him approach the character. I don't think we'd have a TV show today or an interesting character to talk about on this episode. In the Marvel Masterworks compilation of the she of the Savage She Hulk original run, uh, he gets into a lot of kind of what he was going for, what his goals were for the series, and you know he says, "I was given no Bible, no notes, no information of any kind about the character, other than a Xerox copy of the first issue." I was given a tabula rasa to create the character, or in this case, more of a tabula viride. That's green. That's green. Ah, (laughs) Not a single supporting character was introduced in the first issue. Even people mentioned in the story, like the mobsters Trask and Moncton, did not appear on page. Oh, wow. He kind of, uh, his goal was, he says explicitly, was to kind of take She-Hulk from the Silver Age origins to the Bronze Age as quickly as possible and kind of Mm. give her the kind of legacy and background and uh, environment that would make her fit right at home as a character in the uh, current Marvel Universe. Uh, You were introduced to her dad, Sheriff Walters, the chauvinist uh, legal rival Buck Bukowski. Um, And there was even a character that she was uh, romantically involved with for a while named Zapper, who was a uh, white guy with a handlebar mustache and a Jufro who was very clearly modeled on Frank Zappa. <laughs> yeah, so he has managed to accomplish this uh, if in 24 issues. Uh, this series runs... By issue 10, she no longer has to be uh, emotionally triggered to become the She-Hulk, mm-hmm. thanks to a secret formula by one Michael Morbius. It was Morbin time. The She-Hulk has Uh-oh, been touched. Oh, is it Morbin time? The She-Hulk was Morbid Scratch. Now it's an episode about Morbius. We (laughs) fooled you. For the rest of the episode, we're just going to be talking about that vampire guy. Re-release the Morbin cut. (laughs) Fuck. I hate everything. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
So yeah, this series, uh, the She-Hulk series that is ran from 1980 to 1982, this initial uh, run, and um, you know, it's it's a solid foundation. Mike Vosberg, who did the art, started out in underground comics before moving to DC and Marvel, and later became known for the illustrations in the TV series Tales from the Crypt. He uh, was the one that imitated all those old comic book covers from EC, the EC <laughs> days uh, for each episode. He did almost every cover for the show's 93 episodes. Pretty wild. But I digress. What the real reason for the season here? One last thing about Kraft. Uh, he had to end the book and uh, he got to take one more crack at the character for a, a special called Marvel 2-in-1 in which uh, it is heavily implied that she has sex with the thing and he was very happy that it got past the Comics Code Authority. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's always trying to sneak stuff past. It's awesome. Uh, so, yes, after that initial run, She-Hulk spent the rest of the 80s as a member of the Avengers and then the Fantastic Four, where she first got written and illustrated by John Byrne, who was doing Fantastic Four at the time. And then she returns via Byrne in her second solo series called The Sensational She-Hulk in 1989. This runs for 60 issues, and the lion's share of these were written and illustrated by by John Byrne himself. This run is pretty iconic due to She-Hulk's breaking of the fourth wall, which again, well before Deadpool was doing it. John Byrne said, when Marvel editor Mark Grunewald was talking to me about doing a new She-Hulk book, she said, find a way to make it different. I took the subway home and on the way I thought, she knows she's in a comic book. I have a wacky sense of humor that I don't get to use too much in the regular work, but She-Hulk allowed me to have both. Uh, Jake, you did a pretty decent job of coming through this John Byrne run, this sensational She-Hulk run. What are some great examples, would you say, of the fourth wall breaking that happens pretty incessantly throughout? There's a couple of uh, really landmark moments. Uh, she encounters a aging golden age character who becomes a like basically invaluable side character in the series named Wheezy, who I believe her character was once named the Blonde Bomber. And uh, she literally walks up to She-Hulk and is like, I want to be in your book because I'm aging and comic characters aren't supposed to age. So if I'm in this book, I, I'll stop aging. <laughs> That's yeah. There's a moment where she literally actually there's a couple of moments where she physically breaks through the pages of the comic to get to the ending. My favorite's when she, when she goes through so there's always a spread of all the Marvel titles that were currently out um that you could look at like a catalog of mm -hmm. all the titles and she um famously busts through that set of a couple of pages to get to the other side to get back into the comic book. I mean, the probably the one of the strongest examples is how John Byrne ends the whole thing, which she literally. Oh wait, wait! Before we get to that, uh, one of the landmark moments is uh, I, I'd be remiss to an entire nation of horny, weird comic book fans if I didn't mention issue mm. forty, in which the pinup issue. I mean, they're all pinup issues. I swear to God, John Byrne <laughs> has like there is a specific level of just ideal male gaze, yeah. feminine beauty that like John Byrne puts into She-Hulk uh, that like just, uh, just a, j again, a seven foot tall bodybuilder, supermodel porn star physique that like, sh and with like hair that is just made of the most lavish ink strokes. Anyway, 
issue 40 after a joke about that was mentioned in the comics page that if they make it to issue 40, uh, they'll do a whole issue of her jump roping in the nude. Uh, they made it to issue 40. The cover is her literally naked with uh, holding the Comics Code Authority logo over mm-hmm. her torso to cover her modesty. Uh, John Byrne off uh, off camera, off panel, is holding a jump rope and says, quit stalling, Shulky. We've got 22 pages to fill. And so the next like 10 pages is a naked green woman jumping rope with the blurring like rope lines uh, covering her nipples and genitals, uh, saying stuff like, I know Marvel will do just about anything to make a sale, but this kind of goes beyond the pale, you know. Next page. Now we're seeing her backside. I mean, here I am, a successful lawyer, a member of the Avengers, a reserve member of the Fantastic Four, no less. Next page, once again, fully nude. Uh, And just because I happen to make a joking remark in the letters page, I end up with all the dignity and respect I've worked so hard to gain, wiped away in the name of cheap thrills and maybe higher sales. Uh, Renee, the editor of her book, then appears in the white void and says, first of all, you're not naked because otherwise the comics code wouldn't uh, approve of this, revealing that she was wearing a bikini the whole time. And then they finally just push her into the beginning of the actual issue uh, before once again throwing in a shower sequence with soap bubbles covering her nipples. Like (laughs) it is meta. It is cheesecake. It is John Byrne who was at, you know, had his pick of the litter. I think by this point he had remade Superman uh, and he kind of quit DC because of that. He had uh, done amazing things with the X-Men. Like he is one of the top talents and he is just going nuts. Uh, and yes, like you said, issue 50 is when uh, it was going to be John Byrne's last issue on the book. And the first page is ju- is the it also had a foil cover. I forgot about this it Had a green foil cover <laughs> was the revelation that John Byrne had died. Yeah. And so she was presented with other artists writing the book uh, and their original pages, including luminaries such as Frank Miller, uh, Art Adams and um, uh, who else? Who else? Uh, is that Dave Gibbons? Holy shit. Is that supposed to be? Oh, Walt Simonson. Yeah, that's Dave Gibbons, Terry Austin, Howard Mackey, just like all of John Byrne's friends doing like little wacky one, two page silly uh, takes on the character. It's (laughs) insane. So the last issue of this run uh, is number 60. It's released in 1994. And then we get a little bit of a break, at least from a solo run. She's Hulk spent the rest of the 90s and early 2000s popping in and out of the Avengers as well as the Fantastic Four. Always a solid utility player for sure uh, for both teams. Um, That is until 2004. That year, she regains a solo run with She-Hulk, single, green, female. Uh, Jake already mentioned it. It is definitely a strong place to start if you you don't want to go to the John Byrne stuff. Um, It's a bit more updated, um, you know, a bit less like 
maybe dude bro gross <laughs> in certain ways. Like, what do you actually, I mean, you've spent more time with the comics, so uh, maybe you could tell me more about the male gaziness. But either way, it's written by Dan Slott and drawn by Juan Bobillo and Paul Pelletier. This book uh, sees our hero- heroine jumping back into her legal occupation while also hitting the town with her friends. Dan Slott started out at Marvel in 1991 with his first steady work being on the comic book version of Ren and Stimpy, then moved on to other licensed comics geared towards kids such as Scooby-Doo and Powerpuff Girls. His transition in a more adult-oriented superhero affair actually happened when he got the chance to pitch his own story, which would become a miniseries published in 2003 titled Arkham Asylum Living Hell. This uh, presented uh, the uh, Arkham Asylum from many different points of view, the workers there, the criminals, um, this, that, and the other, and it impressed Marvel enough to bring Slot back over to their side to do She-Hulk. The title got a boost over the years due to She-Hulk's involvement in both the Civil War and World War Hulk storylines, bringing the character much more into prominent popularity, which set her up to get that MCU treatment later on. Um, Yeah, single green female, Jake. A lot of people have kind of... uh gone back and forth on the art on this book. I find it to be uh, actually really uh, endearing. Uh, It kind of, uh, this version of She-Hulk is a little bit lumpier, a little bit like uh, more uh, uh, brutish, but like she still carries this kind of effortless confidence in the artwork. Um, A core factor in it is coming to terms uh, between Jennifer Walters and her relationship to the She-Hulk persona. It opens with the uh, head of a very important law firm offering her a job on the condition that they are hiring Jennifer Walters, not She-Hulk, to help them with their superhuman law division. And it just becomes a very compelling, uh, episodic legal dramedy with a great cast of supporting characters and uh, tons of really clever twists and really clever takes on the Marvel Universe and on law. I didn't get to finish this run because I was just bouncing around between so many books this week. But I was, of all the books that we've read uh, for this episode, this is the one that I was just genuinely floored by and genuinely like, you know, struggling to hold my tablet up in bed so I could just finish one more issue because it was that entertaining. And really, I love it. Uh, if the TV show even captures a little bit of that level of fun and yet high concept legal chicanery, I will be very happy. Yeah, I uh, do hope they use it. I do know that they're going to use definitely the John Byrne stuff Mm -hmm. as inspiration, but I am hoping that they're also definitely keeping this in mind. I I do also know, though, that um, the showrunner spent a lot of time reading the previous uh, Mm -hmm. comics, uh, all as much as humanly possible, every appearance they possibly could uh, before getting into the show. So hopefully it's not just, you know, the sensational years and that they keep a lot of this in because that's what I want. I want a cool courtroom drama comedy show uh, set in the Marvel universe. And I really don't need a bunch of like crazy over the top battles or anything like that in this show. I really just want 
courtroom shit. <laughs> so I hope that they they focus more on that. Uh, she Hulk did play a part in the Secret Invasion storyline through the late two thousands and had a notable miniseries called All New Savage She Hulk that had her battling and later teaming up with Lyra, the daughter of Hulk and Thundra. Uh, Red She Hulk gets introduced in two thousand nine. Of course, three She Hulks running around yeah. during uh, this Red Hulk kind of phase in the Marvel yeah, universe. Yeah, it kind of seems like they're all over the place a little bit with She Hulk um, up until around twenty fourteen. But they, you know, they introduced the Red Hulk and uh, She Hulk rather. And um, you know what it is? She has the uh, syndrome that I feel like we talked about this with uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. We've talked about this with. Uh, uh, who else? Vision. Oh, we especially talked about this with Scarlet Witch and the Vision, which is once she's like off of her main series and ends up being a team player, she is now a member of a team that doesn't have her own book. So like all the ideas the writers have for drama, for emotional impact, for thrilling twists, for oh shit moments end up having to go through her because there's no book that she will ruin by like changing the status quo for. And so uh-huh. a lot of her Avengers things. Uh, yeah. Like I said, she goes crazy a bunch of times. She dies a couple of times. Like they go kind of hardcore with uh, crazy she Hulk twists and just Hulk in general. I mean, in 2011, it was the incredible Hulk's storyline. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a bunch of Hulks. They were just throwing a lot of shit at the fan. It seems like, and that shit went flying off the fan and uh, all over the room. I mean, the walls were just literally covered in feces <laughs> up until around 2014 when comic book writer Charles soul took over on she Hulk. Uh, many consider this to be some of the best she Hulk storytelling yet. And I think that's largely because of Charles, Charles Soule's previous occupation. She-Hulk deals with a lot with work-life balance, or rather work-superhero balance, and she's pitted up against some major Marvel villains, including a solo battle against Doctor Doom. This is the most authentic portrayal of She-Hulk in court because Charles Soule himself is an attorney. He started his own practice in 2004, focusing on immigration law, transnational law, uh, and uh, corporate law. At the end of the aughts, he got his own graphic novel, Strongman, about a luchador-turned-hero, published, uh, and this led to him getting work with DC and Marvel. Soul said, certainly the lawyer aspect was a big deal for me. Being able to write a book that utilizes my experience as an attorney in dramatic ways, using it in a way that wasn't just as a lawyer was appealing. So turning it into something creative was great. Part of that is I've always felt that the lawyer side of myself was in conflict with the creative side of my life. I thought I could really bring something unique to it. He also said, a lot of Jin's cases are analogous to things I've done in my practice, like, for instance, the son of Dr. Doom coming to the United States to seek asylum. That's related to some of my practice work as an attorney. I do a bunch of different things, but one of them is immigration. Being able to bring that in is great. And I just think I, that's like what I was waiting for. I love that we got an actual attorney to write on mm-hmm. this uh, character. It, it I think that's just makes me immediately want to dive into all of this work uh, from this time. I mean, it, it's just such a great, great concept um, for them to have, you know, uh, if, uh, it would be great to have maybe a lady on the team, but <laughs> we get that with the TV show at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really cool to add that in soul's perspective on she Hulk is as follows. He said, 
I think that one of the things that always has made She-Hulk stand out, no matter who is writing her, is that she's a very optimistic character. She's not full of angst. She's not full of agitas about the fact that she's a seven-foot-tall green woman. She's like, this is kind of awesome. I love it. And that's different than the normal go-to take for a lot of superheroes, to treat it like it's a curse. And that, if you treat it like it's some awesome thing, there's no drama to be found. It's ruining the rest of their lives in some ways. But with She-Hulk, you're able to strike a great balance. She's able to do amazing things. But but at the same time, that means some of the challenges she's facing are pretty intense. I think it's her attitude about it that makes her stand out. And I think that's probably my favorite quote about She-Hulk um, to really nail what makes her so special and you know what took this cynical kind of protective money thing that Stan Lee and co were doing in, you know, the early eighties and turn it into something really special that could stand the test of time to the point where they, I feel like they had no choice, but to bring her into the MCU at some point, you know? And I think that the show we're about to talk about is going to, is such a great, Example of that. So uh, in an essay for the Washington Post, Alyssa Rosenberg kind of talked about the whole Hulk family and how it fit into the MCU. And she starts talking about She-Hulk and how she really wishes the MCU would incorporate She-Hulk. This was several years ago uh, before the show was announced. And uh, I really like this quote because it really captures something. Uh, She-Hulk is a way to explore what it would be like for a woman like Jennifer Walters to acquire the freedom, strength, and frankly, the entitlement that so often accrues to men. If superheroes have begun to take their abilities to, for granted, She-Hulk would make having powers feel fresh, fun, and liberating all over again, which is, I feel like, a very important distinction mm. in the She-Hulk dynamic as opposed to the Hulk dynamic, because S- Spider-Man, weird nerd that just wants like that is that feels bad about himself and like finally has is overcome with guilt because of his strength the hulk uh you know overcome with rage and destruction behind his meek facade whereas she hulk is like a lady who did her homework and had no aspirations to you know she like was just set to do her part in a man's world and is given the keys to the kingdom to fulfill her wildest fantasies in a way that like wasn't due to her in a way that like mm. nobody is kind of in the popular imagination lets you if you're growing up as a woman in the world today. And it is kind of it makes it more celebratory. It makes it more fun. And uh, sometimes if, say, you're an insecure man trying to write a story about a super strong lady, uh, it gets a little weird and uh, sexy. But hey, you know what? It let he who hasn't imagined what it would be like to be held by really big, strong green arms of a beautiful woman <laughs> be the first to cast a stone. I mean, I don't understand it personally, but oh, I, it's yeah, fine. I don't get it. She's just a supermodel that can protect me from all physical harm. Oh, oh no, she can carry me like a baby, but also can give me sweet non-mom kisses. Whatever. Oh, I kind of get it. I get non-mom. Good lord, you know. Jake, just... You know those non-mom kisses. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I picture, I'm imagining them right now. It's it's affecting my ability to perform on this episode, Jake. I, it's, it's ridiculous what's going on right now. So it, it's it's okay. How do I how do I put this? In if you are a awkward adolescent boy reading comic books in the 80s and 90s, you are beginning to understand that you have feelings for the opposite sex. But those are scary feelings. Those are feelings you don't know how to parse. But She-Hulk 
She-Hulk can take, she, She-Hulk's fine with him. She's, you can't do anything to She-Hulk that she can't handle. She's, she's great. She's, she's, uh, she's, she'll protect you. She's fine. This is, I'm not, Holden, I'm not being weird. I am merely translating to our fellow non-weird audience members what a weird person might feel when they're emotionally imprinting on She-Hulk after picking up an issue of John Byrne's run in their family <laughs> friend's bedroom in 1991. If that's all you're trying to say, then why is steam rising from your shirt collar, my God friend? God damn it, I why was yanking at the shirt collar. I was yanking at the shirt collar to prevent <laughs> the steam from building up. <laughs> Hold on one second. Uh, hold on, let me just step away from the mic. Uh, ooga, ooga. Humana, humana, I feel like my ghost is just this weird horn dog all of a sudden, all right? Uh, you know, don't make me turn into my alter ego, whose name I already forget, Holden Ator, the night lust man. I forget what it's called that I came up with. Just rewind to the beginning of the episode and listen to what I called myself and then and copy paste that into this part of the episode. What I'm trying to say is, Holden, that uh, <laughs> someone can be an, a, a figure of empowerment or a fetishized mm. ideal of a woman. And it is very hard to distinguish those two. And to balance that requires a keen narrative eye. Or just maybe the removal of it with female writers, which we're about to get in 20, <laughs> finally in 2022. Uh, but before we get there, don't worry, all you edge lords out there. We did get a dark brooding She-Hulk as well with gray She-Hulk, which comes about uh, after some trauma suffered through the events of Civil War II. It really does paint She-Hulk in a completely different light. Obviously, that's why she turns gray. Not something that stuck around for a long time um, and really just kind of took her in the opposite direction, kind of like Grey Hulk did with Hulk. It's it sort of, but in the sense of her becoming kind of, kind of more of a symbol for processing trauma and things of that nature. And it wasn't, I don't think they spent a ton of time on it, but there you have it. You have that before we get to uh, She-Hulk uh, 2022. Yeah, Jake? Just one more thing. I really just, I cannot stress enough that um, She-Hulk is a horny totem for an entire generation of awkward comic All book nerds. Right. April, I'm going to send you clips of Cree Summer playing She-Hulk in season oh two my God. of the Incredible Hulk animated series. Don't do it, Jake. Anything but that. <laughs> well, Jennifer, I remember never would have done that. Well, let me tell you, cousin, the Jennifer you remember could never have done that. Just my style. Shiny and tiny. <clears throat> you may release me now. Okay, but most men wouldn't be in such a hurry. I'm not lying. Oh. It was, it, it's, it's there. The evidence. Objection, Your Honor. If you may look to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, example, what do you, what do they call it in courtrooms when you, when you have pieces of evidence? Right. There's Hold on. Let me go re rewind the Alex Jones trial that's currently happening right Wait, now. What is it, babe? <laughs> okay. If I if you if I can refer back to Exhibit S, <laughs> that is how She Hulk was presented in the '90s on television. Uh huh. Indeed. Thank you, babe. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. 
There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So we do finally get female writers on the book uh, with Rainbow Rowell in uh, 2022. Uh, And uh, Rainbow is originally known for her young adult novels before joining Marvel for the revival of Runaways. Rowell said, for me, Jen's big appeal is her personality. She's genuinely funny, even with different people writing her. She's committed to justice, the sort of person who will still keep practicing law even after she gets her superpowers. And she's fundamentally loyal. What you see in She-Hulk's history is someone who always shows up for her friends. I wanted to tell a story that feels like classic Jen, even if it's a very different kind of adventure for her. She also said, what I love about She-Hulk is that she seems more like a person than other characters. She, There's some alchemy there that makes her feel real. Maybe it goes back to sensational She-Hulk and her tendency to look the reader right in the eye. Mm. I agree with that. I think that's a really great take. And I do think that it's because, you know, and in the same way as, you know, Deadpool, I, think, I feel like can come off as kind of more on the reader's level um, because of that exact sort of fourth wall breaking thing. But uh, it's really cool to see that this character is actually really being nailed um, uh, in a wait. I don't want to say being nailed, you dirty horn bags. I'm saying that someone's really sticking the landing on this character in 2022 as well in, in a solo series. Uh, if you are in the it's, mood it's for a modern stuff. comic, uh, Roll's run along with the art by Roger Antonio really is just an appealing, uh, just chunk of modern day comic book storytelling. They bring back a lot of characters from Slots run. They bring back a lot of characters from uh, the original Howard Kraft run. They bring back so much from her entire run that it's kind of a celebration of everything the character had done up until then. Uh, the A lot of issues dedicated to the weird cosmic character Jack of Hearts, but other than that... Well, she it was kind of interesting. She talked about that in an interview first of all at first it came she was a card collector Mm -hmm. and she just really was obsessed with his visual appearance with his costume and look and then came to find that they hadn't really done a lot with that character and so she was just really excited to you know have this kind of character she could kind of have a playground with and and really develop and and do interesting stuff with uh, based on kind of what had little had been done with him Mm. in the past Uh, so it's kind of neat it's kind of like she you know that like from your childhood like god i always thought that guy was so cool on the card like let's let's do what i saw in my head with that character now as a adult writer um but you know i'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there jake you've got the initial uh savage she hulk run uh, which was pretty fantastic. You've got John Burns' run with uh, uh, Sensational She-Hulk. Then you have uh, Single Green Female. Then you have the Charles Soule run. Then you have uh, this Rainbow Rowell run, which is doing great. Mm-hmm. That's fucking... That's hitting 10 for 10, man. That's like... That's hitting... I don't know how to use ball game it's averages, but you know what I mean. It's over years of popular comics. It's all good. There's Usually when we cover a character like this, we'll be like, and then this kind of... It's, it's kind of like she went away when she needed to. They used her how they could and in the best way they could in, in the Avengers and Fantastic Four and things like that. But every time she had a solo run, they fucking hit it out of the park. And that's pretty special. Well, because again, it's like I said with the uh, Scarlet Witch thing, like up until the uh, the new role run, uh, She-Hulk had this like uh, really beefed up uh, kind of form. She was joining the Avengers. She was like, Hulk, like they just called her Hulk because she was so gamma powered. 
and then she got kidnapped by the Winter Guardians and turned into like the Winter Hulk and she like absorbed a gamma bomb and then went into the basement of the Avengers Mountain and like basically I think just yelled all the radiation out of her. And when she emerged, she was back to kind of her John Byrne pretty Hulk. And it was very clear that that entire plot happened so that they could get her back to what she looks like in the TV show mm. and so that they could get uh, Rainbow Rowell's run a fresh start as well. Like mm-hmm. it's when she's on a team, things kind of go off the rails because right. once again, you're allowed to just do anything with her. Whereas Spider-Man, Captain America, Iron Man, like all these other characters you can't touch. Right. And then when they bring her back to square one and actually give her a supporting cast, like she's allowed to be the kind of core of the character that people have grown to love. And they hone in on, I think, what her strengths, like having a social life, doing the courtroom drama stuff, the comedy, the mm-hmm. fourth wall breaking. Like, that's all fun and different. And you don't get that with uh, most other all other characters, you know? And it's cool to see that they really knew, even back in the more sexist days, the more male gaze days, like they were even then they were doing interesting things at least yeah no there was even in the horniest days like john byrne would just always throw in a i'm doing this for the numbers like or she'd be like you know it would always be her being like oh really guys making fun of the the thing and i think at least that existed and that they were able to comment on how weird how like ridiculous and horny they made a lot of that stuff back then because it was all male writers I can't believe it took till 2022 to get a female writer on the on the book. But regardless, that's the way it is. And this uh, TV show, largely female-driven as well. The show is set to premiere on August 18, 2022, uh, and was created by Jessica Gao. Gao started out as a writer for the Nickelodeon shows The Mighty Bee and Back at the Barnyard, as well as others, before going into freelance work, which got her stuff like Adult Swim's Robot Chicken and Cartoon Network's The High Fructose Adventures of Annoying Orange. Her most notable work uh, to this point came from when she joined the third season of Rick and Morty and wrote the episode Pickle Rick! There it is, everybody. Pickle Rick! Isn't that how you're supposed to say it? Pickle Rick! It was supposed to be a joke about it, you weren't supposed to actually run it into the ground. It was a commentary <laughs> on how things got run into the ground. And for that, she won an Emmy Award. Obviously, it's one of the most notable episodes and just things from that show. Uh, And while on the show... Uh, you will remember she's one of the many ladies that received a bunch of criticism and harassment from fans because they decided to hire a lot more female writers for the writers' room. She has been spoken out about that, talking about referring to it as old hat shit she's been dealing with in the business for years and years and years. Also, while at the show, she picked up a little trick to focus up a writers' room. She said, "We had a timer for the first few weeks where at the top of the hour we'd set it for fifty minutes." You can't look at your phone. You can't check email. You had to focus on work and only talk about the show. When the timer went off, there's another 10-minute timer, and that's your break to do whatever. It got everyone to focus. Gal met with Marvel Studios about several different projects over the past few years, and every time she would go in, she would voice her desire to head up a She-Hulk project. So this was a big deal for her, something she'd really been specifically wanting to work on so weird how I I just I mean I'm sure I'm not the first person to think of this it's just like 
The Russo brothers got their start working on community. Uh, there was uh, Jessica Gao, like you said, from Pickle Rick. Michael Waldron ended up writing uh, Loki and helped write Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Jeff Loveness is the writer for uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. There's like so much Dan Harmon, Rick and Morty alumni in the Marvel Universe machine at this point. And so much of Dan Harmon's recent work has gone out of their way to shit on the MCU for being like kind of samey and forgettable. It's but like you need that kind of weird balance of I'm giving nerds what they want, but I'm also smart uh-huh. enough to like comment on how I'm giving nerds what they want. Meta like self-reflexive inverse snake eating its own head uh, fandom appeal to get nerds to still care about the MCU. It's a very interesting pipeline that has emerged over the past few years. For sure. I mean, this is a great character to, to deal in that as well, though, because of classically, you know, because of what John Byrne did. Yeah. So it just allows for all of that. And I hope there's tons of that. I actually, I kind of know for a fact there's tons of that. It's already been described as, you know, what Kevin Feige described the series as a half hour legal comedy based on John Byrne's run of the character. Uh, And Gao actually compared it to the TV series Ally McBeal, which actually makes a lot of sense because of the weird, like... Uh, self-aware like um, fantasy moments all throughout that show. Right? I've seen people pull up the clip from Futurama of the fake Ally McBeal show, a uh, single female lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And uh, probably be that single green female at all. It all, you know, it's like, it's like poetry Holden. It rhymes. <laughs> Leading up the uh, directing team uh, did the lion's share of directing on episodes is Kat uh, Coiro, I believe uh, is how you pronounce it, who before this directed on shows such as Modern Family, Shameless, and hopefully gets a lot of DNA from working on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> There's certain things like Rick and Morty, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like I see these things and I get a little bit hype like, yes, mm-hmm. bring people who worked on that to this. Please make this... I don't know if it's going to be raunchy, but it should be. Make it weird. Make it out of the box. Give me something that's and 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 one thing, one issue I had with WandaVision is it kind of turned into every other Marvel thing by the end of the season. And I hope they just commit to this weird, wackier thing and don't do that with this show. And I, I, I'm hopeful they won't. It's 30 minute episodes. It's definitely being very much described as a comedy, as a silly thing. I'm thankful so. that it was originally supposed to be a 10 episode run and they're only doing nine episodes, which means sure. maybe less filler. Maybe yeah, it's not I, as sure. they're not going to do filler. Well, it's funny to even say filler because I'm hoping it's kind of a not a monster of the week, but like a trial of the week. I I, I also I loved shows like The Practice, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Law and Order, stuff like that. It would be really fun to apply that to the MCU. If every week it was a different case and it what we weren't so concerned about an overlying plot line, I would actually be more hyped for that. That would actually be more of an interesting choice. God, I watched a lot of the practice as an actual child. Me too. Why? I watched so many medical dramas and the practice, (laughs) Chicago Hope, ER. Uh, I loved the practice. I thought it was just very well performed, acted, and... And, you know, and, and it was fun to take like a different trial each each time. That That's why I'm like, please do that here. Do not do do not. Cons- I don't want you to be concerned about how this connects to the larger story they're trying to tell in phase fucking four. What are we in three? Right. We're in three. 
you know, I just like, I just give me something offbeat and interesting and fun. Put Lady Gaga in it. Make it a musical. Have Dylan McDermott have a will they won't they tension with Laura Flynn Boyle. Okay, that was a very specific <laughs> memory. Don't actually incorporate that. Dude, let's do an episode on the practice. Oh you my just got God. morbid, bitches. <laughs> now this is an episode about the practice because it's morbid time. Okay, so David E. Kelly was best known <laughs> as the creator of Doogie Hauser, but oh, things got crazy with a bunch of uh, Boston area legal dramas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would also like to uh, highlight the star of the show, Tatiana Maslany, uh, who was doing community theater starting at the age of nine, did a bunch of film and television work before her breakout role, or roles rather, as the star of Orphan Black. And that is a show uh, that had her playing multiple clones with different personalities and really kind of was this great space to show off just how great her acting chops are. Uh, Tatiana res- referred to it as a, quote, really absurd take on a legal show. Um and I, you know, looks promising in the trailer. She looks like a competent uh, person to be in that role. They got an actor's actor, which is great uh, because, you know, they got to nail this in, in a way because I, I think just like She-Hulk's probably always been as a comic title, like they got to sell it to a lot of people who ain't buying it, I feel like as well, you know? And uh, so I just do hope this thing is great. I mean, I'm excited also because they're bringing in Charlie Cox, who played Daredevil in the Netflix series into the fold. I know he had a cameo in Spider-Man No Way Home, but it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I thought he was amazing in that role and I'm very excited to see him in the proper universe, especially as Matt Murdock, the blind lawyer that everybody thinks is cool. Yeah, and then also to bring it, you know, of course, Mark Ruffalo, I feel like they couldn't do it without. The weirder one is uh, Tim Roth coming in. That, honestly. plays Abomination in the very much, like, forgotten about The Edward Norton Hulk. Starring Edward Norton, yeah. So they're, they're... I, are they even going to try to multiverse it or, or do we accept that? Oh, no, they're going to he's there's going to be one scene where he meets Mark Ruffalo and he's like, didn't you look different? And then everybody's right. going to look at the camera and pause for a beat. <laughs> I'm sure a slide trombone is also going to play. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's sl- trombo All trombones are slide trombones. I'm thinking of slide whistles. <laughs> yeah jamila jamil too i'm I, i'm a fan as she's titania in the show that's great titania is as close to a joker character as far mm. as she hulk villains go she was originally um created by dr doom and kind of has that like oh i was jealous of she hulk oh i was uh you know i you're my sworn enemy they've tussled just over and over again over the years. She actually has a very fun role in the uh, Rainbow Roll run recently where like they're kind of friends and have like basically taken to just beating the shit out of each other as a form of therapy. Um, But yeah, we didn't mention that character before, but a long time uh, uh, rival of She-Hulk. Yeah, I love that the trailer became kind of a meme with the, you know, big lady holding the man carrying him into the bedroom and, and people freaking out about it I, because it just put a spotlight on the show. Oh, uh, it's the kind of show that feels like it could come and go. And I do have h- high hopes for it. Uh, and I've been sitting out a lot of shows of superhero fare lately. And this one actually grabs my attention. I remember people freaking out about the CGI, which mm. honestly did not look that crazy to me in terms of like quality compared to 
a lot of other things like there Marvel MCU has like dropped the ball on CG a lot. And uh, it, you know, there are people that worked in the, I'm, I'm thinking of the final fight scene in black Panther. Like that was dog shit or black Panther, or black widow, black widow, right? Black Panther. No, when it was down oh. to like two CGI black Panthers having a dumb fight in that underground right. mine, like that was, it was bad. also some really bad uh, special effects, explosion stuff in black widow that people point to as well. And yeah. for years, people in the VFX industry have like complained about how, you know, Marvel kind of like is the biggest dog in the room and they'll make people work for like extra long hours and underpay them and kind of uncredit people to get these movies out on time, hiring outsourcing or contracting out to smaller teams. And it's, you know, as much as I love the fact that people are getting more aware that, you know, the things that they consume are made by human beings who need actual pay for their time and work. Um, it did not strike me as like that weird. Like the CG didn't look that bad. Uh, I know one of the producers like kind of chalked it up to the fact that like you don't see like human shaped CG women as much as you see like Thanos and Hulks running around. And so maybe mm. people just weren't used to it, that same treatment. Like you've had years to look at uh, Josh Brolin and uh, and Mark Ruffalo as like half fake CG people. And like all of a sudden you saw like a lady and you just went right back into the uncanny valley. I don't know. Um, but Hey, uh, dis Hey, billion dollar companies pay people enough money to feed their families. Please. That's <laughs> yeah, a please Jake do Young that. request. Well, here's the last quote I've got for the day. Uh, and this definitely continues to make me hype for this new show. Jessica Gal said, I'm really excited for Marvel to have a true half-hour comedy and really lean in to a comedy format. Everybody loves the big spectacle. All the action operating at a level that you don't see anywhere else. But what's special about TV is that you have the time and the space to really just live with a character and see everyday life. I want to know what's happening on a Tuesday when the world isn't in danger. What happens when a six foot seven green woman has to buy a business suit for court? Yeah, me too, man. I want to. I hope that they really just stay in that in that lane and really do some fun stuff and really jump outside of the box that we've been in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a while, including the television series we're seeing on Disney Plus. It does seem like just like this character, you know, because of the way she was conceived and everything. There was a lot more fun to be had with her. I do think they are having definitely a bit more fun mm -hmm. in the television stuff that they're doing um, outside of the films, where I think they kind of have to play a little bit more by the rules uh, established um, by phase one of MCU. Winter Soldier and the Falcon was the most joyless thing I've ever watched in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that's is the counterpoint, man, and that's what I'm. That was kind of what I was alluding to or, toward earlier when I was like, man, I'm just. You can't, you gotta flip the script if it's just this very like stone cold superhero fare. Um, it's just not cutting. No, no, anymore. no. It's stone cold superhero fare, but uh, every second scene, our very attractive main characters look at each other and go, Oh, are we, we're doing this? Uh, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it, our episode on She-Hulk. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please rate and review us. We need rates. We need reviews. Now that we're uh, off, um, or not off Spotify, but now we're, we're available everywhere, we got to get those uh, Apple whatever rating. I don't know. Just give it five stars and just say like, 
glooby goobers or something. You know what I mean? You don't even have to say anything. You know what I mean? But thank you so much for doing that ahead of time. You know what? Counterpoint, do say glooby goobers. (laughs) So that we know you heard this episode and listened to the plugs at the end, actually. And you'll get um, a special reward in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, check me out on patreon.com. Check me out. Also, if you'd like to support us further, uh, check us out on patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. We have bonus weekly episodes for just $5 a month. And if you want to join us on our Sunday study session uh, over on Discord through Patreon, um, that is $15 a month. Always a good hang with uh, a great group of people studying whatever we're covering uh, research-wise that week um, for that episode. And uh, check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho that's twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho monday tuesday friday streams i love it when you guys come in and say what's up and and you know hey just listen to the episode you know i love that stuff so please drop on by jake follow me on twitter at best jake young and hey i also stream that's right go to youtube.com slash puppet jared or twitch.tv slash puppet jared that's right i'm on both platforms I'm just a platform hoarder. Just give me more platforms. That's what I say. Strong platforms, unlike those Ikea beds that shatter after (laughs) only the mildest of impassioned thrusting. Jake just has a pile of Ikea beds behind him Mm -hmm. on this Discord call, by the way. It is ridiculous. We're so alike in that way. Thursday night is my flagship stream, The Cartoon Dumpster, where we watch weird, old, bad, and captivating cartoons from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. It's a good hang. If you like this show, you'll like it. Check me out Thursday nights on Twitch and YouTube slash Puppet Jerry. And hey, always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.